and welcome to Headline Central, CM Life's weekly news-based podcast. I am your host, Charles Skipworth, and on today's episode, I'm here with guests Vaughn Lozon and Sydney Smith. We're going to be talking about CMU pitcher Sean Martin's recovery from the Tommy John surgery, the St. Mary's Priest investigation, and the Greek week. Uh, we're going to be starting with Vaughn Lozon. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we're going to be talking about CMU pitcher Sean Martin's. Uh, you wrote about him and his recovery from Tommy John surgery and the week's cover story. Uh, first, we'd like to ask, what is Tommy John surgery? That's a really good first question to ask, I think. Uh, Tommy John, or it's also called ulnar collateral ligament reconstruction. Um, it's pretty simple medical procedure, believe it or not. It only takes about an hour. Uh, that's what Sean's surgeon, Dr. James LeBull, told me. Uh, the UCL's replaced with like with a tendon located from somewhere else in the body. Typically, it's like your forearm or your foot or your hamstring. Uh, in Sean's case, it was in his in his forearm. Uh, but basically, just to sum it up, they drill holes in your elbow. They take that tendon and they weave it into a figure eight pattern. Uh, so it really makes sense when you think of it as like a reconstruction kind of surgery. Uh, the reason why it's more known as Tommy John surgery is because the first player to ever get the surgery was named Tommy John. And that was back in 1974. And at that time, it was a really, really new thing. It was a very, um, you know, prototype kind of surgery that they had going on. And and his doctor gave him a 1 in 100% chance of coming back uh, and pitching in the major leagues. He came back in 1976, and uh, he had a pretty good career. So, uh, How common is this injury for baseball players? Oh, it, it's extremely common, more so for pitchers. Uh, you do see it with position players and catchers, but it's more so with the pitchers. Uh, you do see other injuries come up, but Tommy John surgery is the most it's the most I don't even know how to say it really um you see it more often than not basically uh you see it occur plenty of times throughout the season 13 players in the MLB last year had Tommy John surgery 11 11 of those were pitchers the other two were catchers um new Detroit Tiger Jordan Zimmerman he had Tommy John surgery a few years ago so you see this reoccurring every single year uh but the amount of success that these players have had uh coming back from the surgery is really great um, what is the recovery time for the injury? Um, when I was talking with Sean's doctor, uh, Dr. James LeBolt, he said anywhere from 8 to 18 months, uh, depending on what position you play. For a pitcher, typically, it's more so towards that 18-month time frame just because of all the stress that they put on their elbows uh, when they go to throw, especially because of how hard they throw. They, you're going 90 miles an hour. Uh, some guys can even throw 100 miles an hour in, in college. Uh, for a position player, like an outfielder, catcher, it's it's more so 8 to 12 months. Uh, they don't put as much stress on their elbow as those pitchers do, so that's why it's a little shorter. Uh, but once the surgery's done, the elbow heals pretty quickly, but it's more so about building up the strength of your elbow so you can be able to throw at those top-end speeds. So um, the story being about Sean Martins and his recovery process, uh, what is he like as a person? Uh, he, he's such a nice and down-to-earth guy. He's one of the most down-to-earth college athletes that I've ever spoken with. I, I met him at Hunter's Ale House uh, for the Meet the Chippewas event, which is a event that, that the baseball team does every year uh, to kind of just meet the fans, kind of give back uh, to the community. And he still had this, like, cast thing. He he called it, like, a robotic arm thing that he had. And, uh, and I just approached him, and I was like, hey, I'm going to be covering your team this year. Like, what's going on with this? And, you know, he was – super nice about it and we talked for probably like 10 or 15 minutes that day and he's just a super nice guy 
uh, if you just approached him in public, he'd be like, hey, what's going on? Like, how are you doing? He'd just strike a conversation with you. Uh, he's a super great guy. Uh, what was his role on the team last year? Uh, he was a reliever, uh, relief pitcher last year. Uh, last year was his freshman season. So coming off a really good freshman year, he was 6-1. and one. He had a 3.22 earned run average. He struck out 29 batters uh, in 44 and two-thirds innings, and that's, that's really good. And he was in contention for Mac Pitcher of the Year, and he was just a reliever. He didn't start any games at all, but he came in quite frequently, uh, 22 appearances, as I said. And he just being able to do all that, and he was a Louisville Slugger All-American last year. Uh, he only gave up 16 runs all season. Uh, he, was, he was a vital part to the team's bullpen, and I expect him to come back better than ever next year. How has his injury affected the team this year? This season, they haven't lived up to their expectations. They won the MAC regular season championship last season, uh, and they, they went out pretty early in the MAC tournament, so they didn't make it to the, the regional tournament. But it's, it's just been a nightmare on the def- defensive side of the ball. Uh, they, they've been batting pretty well recently, but, but last season their pitching staff had an ERA of 3.64. Uh, this year it's 6.05, which three runs doesn't seem like a lot, but if you're giving up an average of three more runs per game, that's pretty huge. So uh, along with some other key players that they, they're missing, Tim Black, for example, they're, they're really good relief pitcher from last year. It's just not been the same without those two. How has Sean's rehabilitation been going so far? It's going as good as it can be. Um, he was four weeks ahead of schedule at one point, but now he's basically right on schedule. Uh, he was he was throwing a baseball around at Comerica last Wednesday for the Clash of Comerica, uh, and, and he said that his elbow feels really good. I talked with him two days ago uh, in the IAC, and he I was like, hey, how's how's your elbow feeling today? He's like, it feels really really good. So just uh, be able to make this progress thus far through his rehabilitation just seems really promising. When is he res- gonna say that again? <laughs> when is he expected to return to full baseball activities? He won't be back to there for a little while. He, uh, I think he's supposed to get back on the mound in June. Uh, but at this point, he'll be relearning his pitching again. He's kind of going to work on the way he rotates his hips when he pitches so he doesn't put as much stress on his elbow when, when he does pitch. Uh, but he plans on being 100% by November of this year, and he said if all goes right for him, he will be closing uh, in the first game of 2017. Physical therapy can be a very tough and challenging process. How is Sean handling rehab mentally? Mentally, I think he's handling it really well. He's had a lot of support uh, from his parents, his teammates, Coach Steve Jaxa, uh, just since hearing the news of his torn UCL. Uh, He's a tough guy physically and emotionally. He takes everything just one day at a time, and he's always up for a challenge, it seems like. Uh, This is just his rough patch in his career. Every player in every sport has one, whether it's Tommy John surgery or for the NFL, if you tear your ACL as a running back, that's a horrific injury too. This is just his. And I think he'll come back healthier. I I think he'll be even better next season when he comes back from Tommy John because it's statistically proven that after you you have that surgery, uh, you're bound to come back and rebound and be a much better pitcher than what you were before. Has he ever thought about ending his athletic career? We've never spoken about that. I never asked him that question, but I, I couldn't see him doing that just because of one injury. I, I know it's a, it's a long rehab process, 
but it, it's worth it once it's all said and done. Once that injury is done, uh, you come back healthier. And I, I, I think I truly think he's going to be better next season. He had a great freshman year, and this is just that rough patch in his career. He loves baseball more than anything in the world, and just to give up after one season away from the game would just be a little silly to me. Um, he's, a, he's a tough guy, and I'd be shocked if he did that. What did he say was the toughest part of having this injury? I asked him that, and he gave like four or five different answers, believe it or not. But, but he mentioned uh, he mentioned the first time he talked to his mom uh, when he said that he had a torn UCL. She said uh, he said that his mom was doing like typical mom things, like "Oh my God!" Like he, she called him and and was going all crazy, whatnot, kind of freaked out. But but everything ended up being okay. And then uh, he also mentioned how hard it was to sit on the bench for the entire year just not being able to pitch and help his team, especially now that they're struggling, especially on the, the defensive side of the ball. And since he had a great year last year, it's just it's been hard for him to, to kind of just sit and watch on as this team doesn't have that success that they were expected to have. All right, that's all the questions we have for you. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we're going to be moving on to Sydney with the St. Mary's Priest case. Uh, very quickly, could you do a quick run-through of the case? I will try to make this quick. Um, yes. So a lawsuit was filed against Dennis Heems, who was the priest at St. Mary's for, I think, since 2012. And... Um, a student, a CMU student, was alleging that he took advantage of her in their, like, counseling relationship. She said that he would, um, she would go to talk to him and confide in him, kind of like a counselor-patient relationship. So, um, she is suing him for, um, breach of fiduciary duty, which is, like, the counseling relationship. And then, um like battery and intentional infliction of emotional distress and fraud and lots of other things because um, she claims that they had a sexual relationship and that it wasn't always consensual because he, she looked at him as someone who um, he was a priest so some people are raised to follow a priest their entire life like that's their role model that they look up to um which can be harmful if taken advantage of so that's what she's claiming um and this went on apparently for a couple years um so she filed the lawsuit in january there's also a university investigation because the the church is technically it's on campus but it's not part of campus it was built and then the university built around it um, and the university found that he sexually harassed her in their investigation because she was involved in an RSO that he was involved in. And after their apparent relationship ended, um, she, I guess, wasn't able to participate in that RSO anymore. Um, that's what she's claimed there, too. Um, right now lawsuits take a very long time usually um right now the diocese and st mary's have responded to the lawsuit but um dennis heems has not uh what has dennis heems's history with the community been like 
Um, I interviewed him a couple years ago, actually, before this all happened, because people, we wanted, I had um, the religion beat on my desk, um, and so we wanted to get more religion in the paper, I guess, and so someone told me to interview him, because he's, like, super charismatic, and he has an interesting backstory, so I went to his house that was attached to the church on campus, he lived right there, um, and he's like very, very, very friendly. He's really young. He's like the cool priest. <laughs> um, and he just is like very normal. Like, I don't know. I always picture priests as like old men, like really old, not super fun people. But he was like very charismatic. He used to be an actor in Hollywood. He was in a few made for TV movies, actually. Um, but the community, especially students, tended to gravitate towards him because he was young and, like, relatable, I guess, um, and just, like, a goofy guy. And he did a lot of, like, community outreach and fundraising for the church, so I know that they liked him for that, too. What has the Diocese of Saginaw said regarding Father Heems? Um, they... Other than their response to the lawsuit, they have not commented. Um, the only thing that they put out on their own was when he was put on leave after after this whole situation happened. It was last summer when he was put on leave. They just put out a press release, um, which we had to do some digging to find. And they said he was placed on leave for uh, boundary violations, and that's it. Um, they wouldn't answer anything further than that. I've contacted them a bunch of times for, I've done, I think, five, five or six stories about this. Um, there's been no response from them. They don't comment on it. What is... The lawsuit. Okay. Uh, what is the current status of the case? Um, the case has a motion hearing on June 10th. And that means they can, either side can motion, they can file to make a motion. In this case, it's the motion that the diocese and St. Mary's want to dismiss the case altogether. Um, Father Heems hasn't responded, and apparently it's because they don't know where he is. <laughs> um, which is interesting to me because um, the university, when they did their investigation, they had to go through the diocese to contact Father Heems. Um, in this case, the diocese is now saying they don't know where he is, so that could be true. Like, they could be, um, he could have went somewhere else and they don't really know where he is now, but, um, so it's only the diocese and St. Mary's at this point. She's suing Heems, the diocese, St. Mary's, and then, um, a woman named Trudy McCaffrey, who is Father Heem's um, spiritual director. It's like a... I don't really know how to define that relationship. She's like his counselor in a way. Um, so they want the lawsuit to be dismissed, and basically uh, their response was a lot of they don't have the information they need to like support um, the students' claims. They claimed that they didn't know about it, that a relationship with them never happened, and that Megan is making false and reckless accusations towards them. 
Has Heem spoke up about the case? No, I've reached out to him a bunch of times too, and nobody will tell me where he is or they don't know where he is. Um, so that's been a challenge. I've emailed him. I've called what numbers that I've had for him in the past. Um, I even tried reaching out to him on Facebook because he has a Facebook. Um, nothing, I haven't heard anything from him. What does the case look like going forward? That I'm not sure about. Um, there's a lot. This is a very, very complicated case um, because there's so many parties involved and lawsuits take a very, very long time. They take years. So <clears throat> this motion hearing, after it, it could all be done at the motion hearing if they decide to dismiss the case. If not, it will be a series of motion hearings and they'll be scheduled probably like months apart and then there's a deposition where you um bring in your people who are testifying so if like if if the student said that a person saw something and she, that person could like support her claims they would bring that person in, in and depose them which means the lawyers can ask them questions um and those tend to be like very like a lot of questions and very very I don't want to say like harsh it's just like a harsh thing I don't know the better word for it it's so you ask them a bunch of questions and for the case it's very complicated all right that's all the questions we have for well I'm not Greek I can't speak to their overall goal but um Greek Week's goal is to raise a crazy amount of money for um, a charity that they pick and they do like a week of events and it's I think only it might be the only time of year that every Greek organization is like together on one charity um, what is Greek week and what kind of fundraising events were put on during the week um, Greek week is like a week of fundraising events and they also do like those GoFundMe pages too, like throughout all the organizations. So um, all the sororities and fraternities and the multicultural Greeks, um, they team up. They're like put in pairs or like trios of organizations and work together to fundraise and they're all competing to raise the most money in the end. Like they put all the money together, but um, there's a winner of Greek week and then they do this year they did. They had a speaker from the Derek Nash Strong Foundation. Um, they did a community service day where they just did um, little activities. Um, they made fleece blankets and things to donate. Um, they did local business day where they just went out and supported local business, like they went to eat there, things like that. Um, and then they did mock rock and they did athletic games. Um, Mock Rock is like the biggest, it's like the grand finale event. They do like these um, dances and sometimes they're really funny. I went last year, it was kind of funny. Um, and then there's a winner of Mock Rock and then they present the check to the people at the charity. Usually at Mock Rock this year is at the spring football game. Um. The fundraising in the past few years, how has the fundraising goals and the growth of the money raised been over the past few years? Um, every year they set a higher goal. So last year, 
I'm not sure what their goal was last year, but they raised um, a little more than $50,000 for the Angel Wings Foundation, and that is um, Damon Brown. He's the director of Student Activities and Involvement, I believe. Um, it's his family's organization. He had a wife that passed away um, from cancer, so it helps children who have lost a parent from cancer. Um, and that was something that a lot of people supported because it's very local and like people know Damon Brown on campus so they were like down to donate um this year they set a higher goal their goal was 55,000 and they raised more than 67,000 um for the Derek Nash Strong Foundation which helps um support parents of children who have chronic illnesses um Derek Nash was a football player who had cancer he passed away last summer, and I think that they were successful because of the charity that they picked. I think if it was some, like, not that any charity is bad, but some, like, random national charity, I don't th think they would have been as successful, but because people tend to know who Derek Nash is on this campus, and they had the Greeks, they had the athletics community, um, they had a lot of support for this charity, um so they were able to surpass their goal. What does it mean for Greek life and Central Michigan University as a whole to be able to donate to organizations such as the Derek Nash Strong Foundation and Angel Wings Foundation? I like seeing it because I think that Greeks don't always feel that they get the recognition that they deserve because they do do a lot of philanthropy work and this is the biggest and I think they should absolutely get credit for this because it's huge and the impact is what we saw when they handed the check to Derek Dash's mom and she um we have photos of her she like collapsed on the football field <laughs> because she was so excited and she was crying and I think that speaks to what kind of impact this has on people Okay, that's all the questions we have about Greek Week. Thank you again for sharing, mm -hmm. and thank you to both of you for being on the show this week. Uh, that is all we have this week for Headline Central. Tune in next week for more stories, and have a good week, everybody. Mm -hmm.